Well, guys, it's the home stretch. Spring break is over. Graduation is just a few weeks away, and then all the students leave campus. You hear the crickets? Because that's that's what it's going to sound like. So, is your property set to finish as strong as it can with pre-leasing? If, if your prospects have to complete a credit check to be approved, you are not set up to finish as strong as you can. I mean, think about it. How many student applicants who you know are completely able to make timely rent payments but are not being approved because of a parent's bankruptcy left over from the Great Recession, or think about this. How many prospects are you missing out on even applying because they know their parents have a bankruptcy or a blemished credit report? But the student is still receiving financial aid and other sources of income that will cover their rent. If you don't want to throw these potentially great tenants out of your prospect pool, contact Leap Insurance. Leap is spelled L-E-A-P. But contact Leap Insurance today and ask about their institutional co-signing product. It's a, it's a rent guarantee program that allows your prospects to pay a, a small upfront fee to guarantee the landlord that in case of default, Leap will pay out the remaining rent. Even if the tenant never moves in. Have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen. Even if a tenant never moves in, Leap will still pay out up to three months rent. So head on over to LeapEasy.com and contact them today. Like right now, today. You don't have much time. There's only a few more weeks left until graduation. Well, I, today. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and today I finally got one of our new co-hosts. I've been telling everybody that we've got new co-hosts that are coming on this year, and the co-host joining me today is Lincoln Ogata with Easy Turn. Lincoln, welcome back to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be your uh, first co-host on here so far. That makes me excited. Well, yeah, you you were actually on the podcast back in the summer when we talked about it was our turn episode, I guess is the best way to to label it. And obviously you've got a lot of experience with that. But I wanted, you know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, this next year we had some folks that were, you know, covering a, a good portion of, of topics that they were familiar with and were experts in. And Obviously, you've got a long history in student housing uh, on the maintenance and facility side. So I wanted to make sure that that we brought somebody in that could really relate and, and provide. So this is student housing insight. So obviously, you're much more qualified to provide insight on maintenance and facilities and, and even general construction with all of your years with the Navy on the on the construction side as well. So super stoked about having you uh, join our, our team here. So thanks again for, for agreeing to do that. No problem. Happy, happy to be here. And then we've also got a special guest co-host today which is no stranger to the podcast uh, or to Student Housing Insight. If uh, if you've kept up with uh, some of the things we've been doing the past year, especially with our first summit that we had in Charlotte back in October, we, we have these idea presentations that we do at those summits. And Jackie Pingle has submitted an idea to me that we later labeled Legacy Over Promotion. And Jackie's joining us today. 
Hi, everybody. <laughs> Jackie is located in, in Chicago. Um, so thanks for, for dialing in on this one. And uh, we'll get into a little bit more why I wanted to, uh, why I wanted to make sure we had Jackie on this podcast. So, but uh, really quick, I, I mentioned the, the student housing insight summit, regional summit that we did in Charlotte. We've got four more of those that are scheduled for 2019. The next one's actually coming up on May 14th which is for the markets in Florida and Southern Georgia. And so, you know, we're doing this in partnership with Grace Hill and with Axiometrics. Later this year in June, we've got another one in Cincinnati, which is for more of the kind of Eastern Midwest states. And then we've got one in September for Texas and Oklahoma for the markets in those two states. And that's going to be in Waco, Texas. And then we'll have another one on October 1st back in Charlotte at the Whitewater Center. So looking forward to that. That'll be for the southeastern states. I should say southeastern kind of mid-Atlantic states. But anyway, again, thanks for uh, thanks for joining today, guys. And wanted to uh, kind of put it back to (laughs) to you, Lincoln, on this topic which, uh, you know, we're kind of labeling, you know, how to harmonize your, your maintenance and, and office teams on site. So talk to me a little bit about why this, this topic was important to you and, and about the guests that you wanted to bring on. Yeah, so um, definitely. Um, when you think about when I was, when I was given the test and think about some things to talk about first, as far as facilities goes, this really just came to mind because I feel like it's such a missed thing. And I feel like there's so much that can be benefited from having great harmony within a workplace. And I feel like some people think it's too large of a task. And instead of trying to work together, they try to come up with their own separate agendas. And you kind of have two people really steering the same ship with two different, you know, rudders, if you will. And I really feel like, like I said, this is a very commonly missed point to work on. So when he mentioned that to me, I, I thought if I could tell anybody any one thing, what, what, what would that be? And it really is to invest in that relationship and just to see the dividends it pays out when you're setting that proper example between a maintenance and office staff. Yeah. Well, and, and the way that you guys kind of go through this interview when, when you're speaking with, with Corey, it's it, one, you could tell that there's obviously, you know, kind of a, a kinship between you guys and, and you guys have been through a few fires together for sure. And, and so that certainly comes through, but you guys really laid it down as kind of a, you know, not only are here some of the, of the bigger things you need to think about as far as communication, but then you get into some more of the tactical things of just kind of tips and tricks, you know, be it weekly meetings or have an office staff kind of co-work with the, with the, um, with the maintenance staff. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that, but, you know, <laughs> talking about that kinship that certainly comes through with the, with the interview with Corey, when, when I listened to it the second time, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I, I've been somewhat at, at an advantage um, coming through the ranks from, you know, from site level to, to C-suite of when I was at the site level, you know, there's very few guys that, that come through this industry as, uh, as a property manager. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but compared to, you know, the, the women in this industry, uh, they end up staying on site much longer. That that tends to be, you know, who is in that position at most of these sites. And on the other side of it, you typically see men being in a maintenance position for a good portion of their life. And so there's there's that dynamic. And and I was kind of in a fortunate position where 
you know, coming through as, as a male and going into that GM position, you know, being able to talk with, with my maintenance supervisors who throughout my career, um, I've only had one instance where my maintenance supervisor, and it wasn't a property that I directly managed. It was one that was in my, in my portfolio. I've only had one woman that was, that was a maintenance supervisor. And we could talk a little bit more about that later, but I thought, you know, me listening to, to you and Corey speak um, reminded me a lot of, you know, the relationships that I had with my maintenance supervisors. And I thought, you know, how I don't necessarily hear that so much, you know, when I'm doing due diligence at um, different properties and doing things on the consulting side, I get a lot of feedback from managers and, and just a lot of just general questions of, hey, how do I improve the communication? I don't and this is from both sides, from both maintenance supervisors as well as from general managers of uh, saying, look, there's this there's this disconnect here. And I think a lot of that just has to do with, you know, with with the two different positions and, and you know, what's required and, and how we are all kind of wired for, you know, doing things that that we like doing. And, you know, some of that is more maintenance facility base and and some of it is is more office administrative based so uh, there's going to be those differences in personalities there um so i really wanted to to reach out to jackie and you know get a get some feedback as well get her perspective because what i really felt like was no matter what the dynamic was from a gender standpoint of your office and maintenance leadership the things that you and Corey you know put out there as some, you know, as tips and tricks and general communication guidelines, those are really consistent regardless, you know? So anyway, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Um, I I definitely want to come back in the, in the outro and let's, you know, kind of dissect a lot of these things, but generally, you know, You've listened to the to the interview that we're about to play for everybody. You know, from a from a female perspective, what's your what's your take of, of that interview? I thought that a lot of the uh, the topics that Lincoln and and Corey talk about are applicable across the board. Those are experiences that every property manager and maintenance supervisor and and truly property management leasing office and maintenance team are going to experience. Uh, I do think though that it's really interesting to consider it from the gender dynamic side. I think, as you've said, our maintenance supervisors tend to be older, maybe not a generation older than the property manager, but in many cases, maybe. Um, And they also tend to be men in a heavily female dominant industry. And so there is, of course, an undeniable gender dynamic. And I also think, not to get too far in the weeds here, uh, but there's also some kind of level of, if not gender, then, and and I'm not going to get my words right here, Wes, but the maintenance field tends to be a very masculine field. And so I think that some of these issues that women experience are going to be experienced by anybody who's not as masculine maybe as our as our maintenance supervisors are, as the maintenance industry demands. Um, so I think really these are experiences that are kind of across the board and then heightened if you're dealing with a female-male relationship or anybody who is not kind of your stereotypical maintenance position. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, great point about, you know, not just the the gender differences, you know, that weigh into this, but also with, you know, uh, the the generational um, and and the age differences, because, you know, typically someone that, you know, typically someone that ends up choosing uh, maintenance as as a career path, especially, I mean, let's face it, when you look at what happens beyond the property level, the the positions that are on a on a corporate level or a, or a regional management level that are facility and maintenance based are far fewer than what happens on the marketing and leasing and sales as well as business development and and all the other administrative and accounting roles that are out there because uh, I mean a lot of the, a lot of the student smaller student housing companies that you will see out there don't even have anyone at a corporate level that came through the ranks on the facility side and, and you know is now in a corporate position focused solely on on the facilities so because of that you know they've come through you know that career path and maintenance supervisor for you know in a lot of their companies is kind of kind of the peak you know that's that's kind of you know the top of the the top position that you can get without making some type of you know, huge jump into another company, possibly, you know, somewhere else geographically and, and make a lot of other sacrifices, you know, within your life. So, so a lot of them choose to stay in that, you know, in that position for, for an extended amount of time. So yeah, when, <laughs> when you have that dynamic mixed with, and Jackie, you and I've, you know, talked about this before on the office side uh, the administrative and leasing side, there is a a lot of turnover and b a lot of quick advancement, and, and yeah. uh, you know because of that, I mean, you, I mean you had a great illustration earlier. Why don't you mention that to everybody? Yeah, I think. Um, and if you attended the conference in Charlotte last last fall, then we talked about this there. But I think that so many of us were really promoted very quickly. And as I said there, I became a property manager when I was in my mid-20s. And I think in hindsight, looking back, my management style is so different today. I think that we as property managers, if you've been doing this for a long time, you really mature into a management style that that can fit all members of your team, whatever their role may be. And I think that if, if I had any advice for starting out property manager, Jackie, I would have told her to maybe listen a little bit more and talk a little bit less. I think that was probably the biggest mistake I made early on just in coming in with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder thinking, oh, I'm in charge here and everybody's going to do what I say. Um, And over time, as I learned to really rely on the experience and expertise of members of my team, that makes me a better manager to know that my maintenance supervisors really are the experts in so many parts of my business and that I have a lot to learn for them. And, And frankly, I'm a better manager today for having let them be the experts in the facilities part of the building. Yeah, we we get so hung up on, you know, who's who's reporting to who. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of that is a, you know, I think a lot of people deal with prod in that situation. 
you know, if, if you're in, you know, I go into a lot of these leasing offices and, you know, I'll see an interaction between, you know, a 22, 23 year old female manager and, you know, a, a maintenance supervisor will, you know, come in to pick up some maintenance work orders or, or, you know, complete something on the computer or whatever. And, you know, there's this, sometimes it's healthy, sometimes it's belittling <laughs> and not healthy, but there's this dynamic that happens where it's almost like, you know, a grandfather and, and a granddaughter, right? And it's, and, and in a lot of ways that could completely be the case um, <laughs> as far as, you know, the, the age difference and, and everything else. And so, and, and like I said, sometimes that's really healthy where you see the communication and the admiration for each other being, you know, really on top of it then, or being really great. And then sometimes you see it another way where like, you know, that's, that's not there. There's not an appreciation for each other. It's, you know, the, the maintenance supervisor looking at it as to why, why am I reporting to someone that could be my granddaughter and the other, you know, on the other side of it, well, you know, why will he not take what I'm, I'm saying seriously, and does he not understand that I'm I'm the one that's in charge here? And that's just the wrong attitude to have. Like you're not going to get anywhere until those fences come down. Yeah, I think that's absolutely accurate. And I've been on both sides of that relationship. You know, I was thinking about it and preparing for this conversation today. I was thinking about I did I had a maintenance supervisor who was much older than me, you know, the same, exactly what you're talking about, a grandfather, granddaughter relationship. And I mean, granted, this was early in my career, but something that we really struggled with and, and there was an, an age gap and a generational gap and an expectation gap, which, you know, did I do enough to overcome that expectation gap? I'm not sure. But, you know, I will remember forever that the night he retired at his retirement party, he said, well, now I'm going to finally ask you for that kiss on the lips. Wow. And I, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's one of those like so inappropriate, awkward things. And you've, you've been working with this guy for a really long time and you respect the work that he does. And at the same time, you know, in, in West, we could do a whole podcast on this and most people, you know, uh, but we could do a whole podcast on being a woman in this industry. And I think your your earlier point to women stay on site longer than men. And and why is that? You know, but but it is specifically on the on the office. Right. On the, on the, office. Office. On the administrative route. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, we do have to as women in this industry and so much of our work is rooted in to Lincoln's point turnover. And are we running successful turnovers and how is our building being run and our vendors? And we rely so much on the external impact of our vendors and our maintenance team. And, and that is a male dominated industry. And so I think we as women, we have to learn to navigate that. Um, and I think, of course, there is a responsibility of men to learn to navigate Absolutely. Reporting Absolutely. to women in a respectful manner. And what does that relationship look like? And for me, I have tried to work through those very awkward situations with whatever humor and grace I can find and, and the support of some really great mentors. But, I've, you know, I also had and I tell people this a lot. My uh, the maintenance supervisor that I worked with for the longest time, he was about as hard as they come Um you know, military. And, and he said to me, and this was early, pretty early. I had just become a property manager. I had two properties. And he said to me, you need to listen 
to me and to to what I tell you about some of these major like major mechanicals. You know, I'm in high rise buildings. I work in the city of Chicago, so I'm always dealing in high rises. And so we have major mechanical systems here. And he said, because you are young and because you are a woman, people are going to not take you seriously. And they're going to try to take advantage of the fact that you don't know about the infrastructure of your building. And so really, I want you to learn this so that you do not get taken advantage of. And, you know, we can talk all day about it being an unfair system where he was probably right. But for him to have, you know, had that foresight and to take the time to teach me and for me to be able to absorb that without being like, you know, too overly offended. And and in the end, you know, I think he probably made one of the greatest impacts on my career to really walk me through the facility side of the building and really teach me the difference between, you know, domestic hot water and the boiler hot water and those types of things that I I probably never would have otherwise learned about and would have always had that dynamic with my maintenance supervisor, that struggle between he knows something that I need to know and he wants to be in charge and I want to be in charge. Um, and so I think I got lucky to have a manager who, a maintenance manager who invested in me and in helping me learn those things. And, and real quick on that, I think kind of the whole point of this that I wanted to touch on is just to really show, again, just the importance. And as you're describing that and getting to know each other's jobs better and being able to respect each other better, it really is just about breaking down those walls in between because you can go in there and get comfortable taking your coffee from the office, going back to your shop and sitting with your guys and planning out your day and running your own ship from that standpoint and vice versa on the office side. But I just really encourage everyone to break down those barriers and really try to become, it sounds as corny as it can be, but really to try to become a single unit um, and just be two sides of that same coin and just be able to really work. Cause there's a lot to be gained on both sides. And as I mentioned in the podcast, the Super Bowl of all this is turn because turn less patience, more work, less time, higher expectations, all that is going to squeeze out any fake face you can put on or any casual relationship you can have. And you're going to really see people take sides and go in that route. And everyone's eyes are on, again, is the point of this is between the facilities and the office side. So I, I think the main bottom line I really wanted to push was just to encourage, don't just sit there and think from the maintenance. I don't sit there and think I have a new manager in 18 months, you know, that I'll have to go reconnect with and, 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 you know, kind of not retrain, that sounds terrible, but just re-acclimate with. Um, and then don't think on the other side, you know, I'm here. I need to kind of show, you know, you know, I sometimes feel like, and I've heard them even say that they think they're kind of supposed to show that they can handle their own. And let's see how you can manage that, that tough, older maintenance guy or something, but really just to stop playing the two sides of that. And just to really encourage that cohesion between the two, because that is what I think is missed because you can't ignore it, but there's so much to be gained if you can get them working together. And I thought, Lincoln, to that point, when y'all talked in the podcast about the importance of those meetings with your maintenance team or, or making the time for your maintenance team, I think one of the, the fallacies that we let ourselves fall into as property managers is this fallacy that we're always too busy for the next thing. And so as a property manager, uh, it is our responsibility. It you know, attitude and environment, they begin at the top down. And so I think it's imperative that we as property managers carve out time for our maintenance team. And for me, that has always worked best for me personally to be the first one in the office because your maintenance team usually starts before your leasing team. And, uh, or you have somebody, you know, my maintenance supervisors have always worked the early shift. And then, you know, we've had a tech reporter that is kind of second shift. And so for me to come in in the morning and have, you know, that 
7.45 to 8.15, 8 to 8.30 time where my maintenance supervisor knows I'm in my office alone. We can share a cup of coffee. We can talk about what's going on. And so really setting those routines that your maintenance supervisor knows you are carving out time for, for him or her every day. Um, I think it's just important that you are in constant communication with your maintenance team and that those conversations are not always about what is your maintenance team doing for you or a rundown of here's today's tasks or here's what I need done by Thursday, but that you're communicating with your maintenance supervisor about here's how leasing is going and we have an investor tour coming up next week and we're going to be, you know, having a photo shoot for our new ILS listing. And so we're going to really want to make sure the building is looking good for our new pictures. And I think if you are conscious of bringing your maintenance team and supervisor into the fold of what's going on in the property, they start feeling more valued and feeling more part of the team. And those tensions just naturally break down when everybody does feel really comfortable or really on the same team, as opposed to, you know, kind of this one way street, what can maintenance do for the property? I think the other thing that we have had to, and this is such a struggle for all the property managers out there listening. I know it's a struggle, but I think we sometimes in the office, we over promise for our maintenance supervisors, you know, Oh, like absolutely. I'll have him come up and install another shelf in your closet or, you know, no problem to repaint that wall for you. And I think we sometimes put our maintenance teams in difficult positions by over-promising and really stacking their time without really understanding what they're doing in their time. So I think, as you would say, the same side of that coin is making sure that we do, you know, one day a week have a leasing consultant working with our maintenance technician, closing out work orders, you know, going with him as he visits apartments for, you know, HVAC filter replacements and seeing what that process looks like. The more we as teams, maintenance team, office team can see and really understand what's going on on the other side of that coin, the more we can help each other, whether that's by shifting responsibility or an encouraging word or, you know, extra strong coffee in the morning on the last day of turn, you really, you really have to know each other's workload to, to get to that place. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, well, and we can, we can go ahead and get into the, to the interview and, and kind of do some takeaways on the, on the other side. Actually, let's just, let's kind of keep this conversation going. But, you know, what I was, when you were saying that one other thing that, you know, I feel like, I feel like on the office administrative leasing side of things, you know, there's always a lot of opportunity to, you know, to celebrate our wins. Right. And, and a lot of that is just because, you know, the, the literal, the literal proximity <laughs> that we are to each other, you know, during the course of a day, you know, if someone gets a lease, someone, you know, resolves some kind of resident issue. It's easy to high five each other. It's, you know, it's easy to, to share that amongst everybody and, and, you know, take some pride in what, what's being done. I think for most general managers, they should, if they're not, you know, having daily and, and or certainly daily meetings with your with your maintenance staff certainly allows that opportunity for those wins to be shared. And I don't I don't see a lot of people doing that. I see I see those daily meetings, you know, being more of just a uh, 
you know, here's the here's the task list of, of things that were completed. You know, here's the number of work orders that came in. Here are the ones that were completed. Here are the ones that, you know, were waiting on materials. And that's, you know, it's a report to the property manager, which don't get me wrong, that has to be part of it. But I also think that that needs to go both ways. One, there's, I, I'm shocked at the number of maintenance supervisors I've come across you know, I, I'll get basically sent out to a, you know, to a property that's having leasing issues. And, you know, I begin meeting the staff along the way and just kind of really understanding things. And I'll talk with a maintenance supervisor and they're like, oh, well, you know, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, you know, there's some concerns in regards to, you know, how the property is leasing up this year. And the next thing is, well, how are we leasing up this year? It's like, what you don't know (laughs) that that needs to be, you know, I'm not saying that they even need to know that on a daily basis, but they certainly need to know on a weekly basis, how things are going with the, with the leasing season, Uh, because there's a lot of things there that, you know, from a communication standpoint that the maintenance team is able to, to push along to, you know, information to the residents about renewing. There's also, you know, information that the maintenance team can give back to the to the maintenance or I mean, to the to the general manager or the property manager about things they're hearing that you know could be improved or, or where the staff has fallen short on making residents feel like you know they want to renew they want to refer their friends right so you know that there's again that that two way street there that it's it's not just the act of meeting but you you've got to think about that. You've got to think about the content of those meetings and are you celebrating wins? So anything else you guys you know want to bring up before we before we hit play on this? Um no. Yeah, no, not really. Let's hear it. All right, great. I'd like to welcome Corey to the show. Corey, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely happy to have you on here. Um, a little background about uh, Corey and myself. Uh, we worked uh, with two two different companies, actually, for various lengths of time. I'll just leave it at that. Over a span of a few years, we worked in student housing together. I was on the facility side, and uh, Corey was in various kind of operations and, and GM statuses. We worked together at an off-campus housing as well as with a P3 project at a big university in the state of Kentucky. We worked there together for a few years, so we got to know each other very well. And uh, today's topic we're going to be hitting on is just going to be about kind of in general, the importance of the relationship between a property manager and a facilities manager and how it can have a very great impact if you have a solid relationship and how it can obviously have uh, the downside of causing a lot of issues, a lot of resentment, people not being happy with their work status during that time. So Corey, why don't you give them a little background uh, into, into what you've done in student housing? Um, well, I started way back in while I was in college, uh, took a kind of a um, front desk role um, part time just to make a little bit more money while I was in school and then progressed to the point that at the ripe old age of 21, I was promoted to the general manager of that property. From then on, I moved uh, around through a couple different companies um, up to, you know, leasing manager, system manager, um, a GM then jumped over to the on-campus side and was a assistant director of operations for a while for 
uh, 5,000 plus beds and then was there for a couple years and then jumped back into the private side as a, as a property manager and now currently actually walk, work in operations for a turn vendor. So I've, I've kind of seen all aspects of, of uh, the housing industry. Yeah. And uh, so if that sounds familiar to, to my background, it's, it's because it is actually, we kind of had um, a lot of the same things. Of course, mine was coming out of the military and getting into student housing, but uh, I worked for various uh, parts of the student housing realm and then actually ended up also too having a stint as a vendor for student housing um, for, you know, turn vendor throughout the year vendor as, as a uh, general manager in, in that facet. So yeah, both of us kind of have uh, every perspective of it. And that's probably why we work so, so well together. So I guess I'm going to start off with talking about situations where maybe I didn't work as well with somebody. And, and obviously I'm going to go into one and see if uh, maybe Corey has any of them as well. And I'm sure some of you all listening have had some stories or have something that hops to mind or, uh, you know, pops into your mind when you think about a property manager, facility manager, relationship that didn't go so well. So I'm just going to kind of touch on one. And I will start by saying I was uh, very blessed to have uh, pretty awesome property managers and um, just kind of collateral manager positions, period. Even when I was on the larger scale, I always got to work with some pretty great people. So, uh, but I have had a a situation where I was stuck with somebody who was the property manager, GM. uh, I can't remember what that company used. One of those two at a property off campus one. And I don't know maybe where this individual was starting off. And maybe it was the environment. We're going to kind of talk about that some here in a little bit, but just kind of the environment that's set when you learn about student housing. I feel like that that kind of climate and culture is a learned thing. So I will say, I don't know the background that this individual had. I guess I can say she and, and, and stay with that, but that, that she had, but she kind of already had a resentment towards maintenance and kind of a, uh, kind of a nose up approach towards maintenance. And that was kind of different for me, like I said, because I had been working previous to that with some with some great ones that really kind of respected. And uh, it, obviously, it's a lot about mutual respect. But we had some incidences where definitely there were some times I was thrown under the bus. And I'm sure all of us, again, have those stories where I was thrown under the bus just from being on the maintenance side where she wanted to wipe her hands of any situation or any hostile parents that come in or hostile residents that came in. So I had gone through that and, and it really did help me appreciate the good relationships that I did have. And it made me look at everything as being more grateful from that point moving forward. It really causes an issue. And one of the main things we're going to talk about today is just the mentality of those two teams. It almost kind of becomes an office versus a maintenance kind of team versus team mentality, gang versus gang, however you want to look at it. And, and to some of you might say, wow, I, I never experienced that. And and that, that, that's, that's awesome if you haven't experienced that, but, but it is something that's out there. And really, the whole point of this podcast is to really just help people focus and maybe recalibrate their relationship or maybe just look at it differently to see that you working with your property manager, facilities manager, and having that relationship be kind of the pinnacle of the property. Some people will say that's a, like, like a marriage, right? So you, you know, just to have those two together and, and it's kind of dad and mom on each side or dad and dad, whatever it ends up being. But with having that relationship, it really sets the tone for everybody else. If you go in and you ignore your property manager and have an issue with them, then your guys are going to see you do that. They're going to disrespect them. Then they're going to, you know, subconsciously also disrespect the office staff in general. And when you start getting that separation, when it really is a team effort that uh, causes a lot of issues. So uh, Corey, do you have any instances where you've had not maybe the happiest uh, environment at a workplace? Um, Absolutely. You know, having jumped into uh, a property manager role at a, a location um, not in this state. I came into a, a maintenance manager that was an, an older gentleman and just one of those guys that he just uh, had a very toxic relationship with, with 
pretty much everybody. One of the things that he did that was was one of my hardest issues to overcome was he had a, a general disdain for the residents. You know, he was one of those guys that constantly thought that students were breaking things on purpose just to give him more work and um, just just had a general negative view of of the students. And the problem with that, you know, in addition to his attitude when he's in there is that it rubbed off on the staff. And I could tell that, you know, even my even our office staff would, you know, when a resident would come in, they would, you know, be cordial and, and helpful. And when they leave, they would just turn around and start degrading that, you know, that that particular resident. And it happened all the time. And then I think it came. It was, you know, a, a byproduct of the maintenance manager and his his attitude. So, you know, the first thing that that I tried to nip in the bud was was to to work with him. But even quicker was to work with our office staff and just try and change that attitude around because you could even see it in our reviews. It wasn't a secret that that our, our staff didn't have the best the, the, the best uh, rapport with the residents. And, and we it was one of those things that we had to quickly turn around. And while it was, you know, a little bit easier with the student staff, especially because I was in the office most of the time, it did take a while with him to try and turn that view around on the residents. And then the other issue he had is when, you know, obviously when you're continuously negative, he was very negative towards his employees and would constantly berate them and would, you know, would yell out in public, out, you know, in view of the residents. And, you know, when you when you see that you, as a resident, you just think that, you know, if, if this particular staff hates each other and doesn't like their job and it's just, it just kind of brings down the whole aura of the property. So we really had to work one on one on trying to change his view and, you know, the old the old mantra of, you know, them breaking things is job security for you. So, you know, I know you don't always like going in there and fixing things, but. It is, you know, if they didn't break it, we might not need you. So um, just trying to... to exactly. that, that, that's job security right there. <laughs> yeah, just trying to interject positivity into them. And, and, you know, when he's smiling, everybody, you know, his staff is smiling. And, you know, we eventually got around to that. It did take a, a lot of one-on-one interactions with him just to kind of show him the the positive side of, of these issues. But uh, it, it is very toxic. Just not one... It's amazing how one person can change the entire... Um, view of a property. Yeah, definitely. So like when you were saying that, it was just kind of making me think about it. You know, you you were saying you were younger in that situation. He was kind of older in that situation. And when I talk about the relationship, I really think a lot of that has to do with getting on the same page, right? So kind of understanding that you guys have a shared accountability for the property. And I, I kind of think about this a lot, but obviously that wasn't your view on the property. That was his view on the property. So that's where it gets kind of tough. Like, how do we break this bread? How do we get together? How am I going to tell this guy who's been in here, whatever, 10, 15 years longer than me. How do you do that? And I think it just has to come from a mutual respect. And I think it has to be just kind of, you know, like you were saying, just kind of bring it up in small dialogue, trying to get one-on-one with him, try to sit down and just say, you want this property to go well. I want this property to go well. You know, we want this to run smoothly. And then to find out how we can do this, because there's going to be different personality types. There's no doubt about it. it it's almost guaranteed, especially because those are two different life skill sets, two different personalities that do those positions anyways. It makes it really tough for that for that to happen. So one thing that that I've done in situations where I've gone in with new workers is really to just kind of go in there and sit down and kind of let them talk and kind of let them know what their expectation is of you. Because I feel like a simple role like that really does kind of get ignored. And I think that would be such kind of a rare thing. And it really kind of, again, if he would sat down and say, you know, what do you, what do you expect from me? Even if he's thinking, here's this young guy coming in here, what do you expect from me? That's a great opportunity for you to hop in there and say, you know, I, I just, I want to do well at this job. You know, I'm in a, posi- I'm in a big position right now, you know, 
based on my, you know, my age and everything. This is really important to me. I want to make this a career. I want to be successful here. And, you know, obviously to do that, you have to run an effective property. So just to try to at least voice that to him. And if it needs to get brought up other ways, you can do that. But at least you have to go in there and, and be open-minded and say, what, what can I do? Can we get on the same page here? Another thing too, I thought about when you were saying that is setting the tone. So in student housing, whether you're a, a porter, that's one day going to be a tech that maybe one day be a lead tech and one day be a property man or a facilities manager. That's kind of how that chain goes. On the other side, you can have a part-time leasing agent um, who could then go to become a leasing agent to become a uh, AGM or something, and then a GM. So all that to say, there's these levels that they want to move up. And I feel like setting the example is so important because you're not just worried about your career when you're in that position. Literally everybody else underneath you is watching you to see how you react with with other people and how you do your job in general. I always made sure I was extra hard on myself if I ever walked through a property with one of my maintenance guys, or even if I was walking a office staff over somewhere or whatever it was to make sure I was bending down and picking up every cigarette I saw, every can I saw. Because again, if they see you walk by that can, they see you walk by that cigarette, but they see you walk by that resident that's violating something, or you know, that gives you opportunity to, to interact properly with a resident, you can really set that tone to make them feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm not doing what he just did. Maybe I should be doing that. Because again, we get their shared responsibility of being kind of that pinnacle position that they could go within that company or within, you know, student housing. So I really think that part is really big. Absolutely. And, and part of the, part of the setting the tone thing, like you were speaking, uh, speaking on was um, when we were up there together, one of the things, you know, you, you tell him how your expectations, but you also want to tell him that I feel very important in trying to advance my career, but I also want you to see you, have the opportunity to advance your career. And one way to do that is, is we have to be on the same page. We have to work together more than, more than you would think. And, and with talking with that particular maintenance manager, one of the things that I think previous manager had kind of not done with him was, was show him the why and what we're doing and not just give him tasks. And so one of the things I would do is I would bring him in on budget meetings. I would bring him in on, you know, pre-turn meetings and things like that, because I want him to know from the very beginning, not just what we're doing, but why we're doing it. So if something does arise that uh, we weren't expecting and I'm not around, he knows the full overall plan and he can take responsibility for it. I think that some of his disdain with the, you know, the residents and the property was that he thought he was just coming in nine to five to change light bulbs and fix toilets and leave. And that's not, you know, that's not what that, the facilities manager is so important and vital and, and arguably more important in the terms of renewals for the property than the office staff. Because once that resident's in there, nine times out of 10, they're going to see the maintenance staff more than they're going to see the office staff. So, you know, just kind of showing him that, with just a change of attitude and some smiles and you know, the next year we come in and we've, we've renewed at 15% more, you know, I want him to see that uh, I want him to be a, a part of the team from the beginning to the end and not just feel like somebody that's in there to fill a place. And yeah, so that brings me to my next point. Uh, if you happen to be in a situation in the office where you're a little slower, you don't have as much going on, everything's filed, everyone's been followed up with, and you have work orders still going on. I, I always, you know, kind of found this early on, and I won't say I invented it, but I definitely utilized it. But I definitely had some of my office staff go around with my with my maintenance men as they went into rooms and did some of the more basic, especially work orders. Again, this is only if you can afford it in the office to be down one at a time or so, or have them rotate. Uh, I think that's really important to have them through. It really kind of helps them, you know, empathize and understand the process to do some of these work orders. Also, it can really kind of help them maybe have some generic troubleshooting that will be even more so valuable during, during the turn time. But if they can go around with them and see how they interact with them 
and uh, just kind of see how that whole process goes. It really does help them out on the, on the phones whenever they get phone calls about different issues. So I really do think that's a, that's a really, really big point too, to just let them go out there, let them see what it's like, let them see how long it is. I always, one of my biggest things I always kind of beg to my property managers is to just please have your staff not give exact times that things will be done. Just as much as you can, stay away from that. Be able to say things like, we're going to get to it as soon as we can on the list or something like that. If you start giving dates, you hang yourself by those dates and it can, it can really, really start to mess with you and your guys, especially when it's an unattainable date that you have on there. So I do, that's one of my things I always say, please try to have them use words like as soon as possible or right when we get to it or, you know, say something like that. And then of course, it's all about having a good follow-up portion on there. But on the flip side too, I think it's important that maintenance guys walk with property or walk with some of the staff to go do like a tour of the property. And of course, that's on the other side to make sure that they know where they're going to see for grounds. Not that all grounds shouldn't be perfect, but if you're going to start an area, you know, they always say walk the tour route. Well, let's see how you guys walk the tour route. Let's see what things you point out inside the inside the model. Maybe there's something visibly broken that we can go and fix that maybe you guys wouldn't catch, but it's nice to go in there and see. So uh, there's a lot of that kind of cross-training. I don't know if you did that with any of your stuff, Corey, or kind of encourage your guys um, just to at least have the mentality of, of not trying to be disadvantageous to your maintenance crew. Absolutely. I think one of the things that, and actually working with you is one of the places that we really excelled on this from the office side was we would really harp on some of our community assistants and even our leasing manager to be able to maybe do some of the smaller maintenance tasks. Uh, the big one I know um, in working with you and, and we carried it on even when you and I didn't work together was having our staff be able to handle some of the lock issues, some of the physical lock issues at the doors, whether it was maybe, you know, with electronic locks, you're jumping batteries, you're changing batteries, things like that, because, you know, A, it, it, we didn't want to pull you off of something that may be more important when we can handle it, it as far as a lock. But two, the other, the flip side of that too is, is the timing for the residents. They are locked out and they need their lock jumped. If they call, you know, our, our community assistant and they're, they're able to go do it right away, it saves them calling the community assistant, community assistant calling, you know, the maintenance manager who, or the, the tech who then has to go to the shop, leave what they're doing, go to the shop, get the, the, the jump set, get some batteries, get a screwdriver, then head to the, you know, that's, that's could be 10, 15 minutes when if, you know, if you are caught up on things or even if it's a, a, a five, 10 minute run for the CA where the, the assistant manager or GM can cover the office, that makes all the difference to the resident. Plus the maintenance, the maintenance uh, staff sees that we're not afraid to, to get in there and, and do some of the tasks that we ask you to do. It's always big, you know, as a property manager, mm-hmm. one of the things I always made sure my staff saw me doing was cleaning toilets during turn, because if I'm willing to get elbow deep in it, I know that you're seeing that and it makes it easier for you to jump into those same kind of tasks. Yeah. And, and I'll say on that too, on the maintenance side, this is kind of getting away from our whole thing of the relationship part of the, where I'm about to take it. But uh, something I did learn in the military, my, you know, I, I was in the military for 10 years and, um, I actually worked uh, a group called the CBs. We were a civil engineer corps. And one thing I, I never forget learning from one of my chiefs while I was in was any kind of new tool, any kind of kind of tough looking or, or any kind of situation where it maybe looked a little dangerous or could be a little worrisome. He always made sure that he did the first reps on that thing. So that's still the same kind of deal on the maintenance side of that. But it did remind me of that. I think it's a good lesson uh, to keep carrying over. But if you're going to have your guys go out there and use some kind of tool that you don't even think you would use and you're in a maintenance manager position, you know, you better get on there and do it. I think on the same side too, you can probably agree with me here on the property management side. If, if you want to show how to do some cold calling or show how to do a follow-up call or show whatever it is, you know, you have them come around you, you hop on there, you know, you kind of need to be that, you know, that example to set for them to show like, you don't need to be scared here. You don't need to do this. So I think something like that, you know, is really important. And that goes back to kind of setting the pace and, you know, just any opportunity you have to teach and to show them the proper way to do something. Again, it all builds 
that culture in their mind and will whenever position they have in the future it will affect them to see how they see the other side of that Absolutely. And and one of the things like uh, touching back on to not setting a specific time and date, it's good that the maintenance team knows that, you know, while, you know, everything is labeled by importance based on the, the, you know, the repair that's needed, it's important that they know the same verbiage so that when they get up there, you know, it's it hasn't been promised that, that that we're you know 20 minutes late or that we're a day late they, they need to know you know it's always good for the office staff to let the maintenance no, crew know what kind of environment they were going to going in there because you know we always want to be prepared if, if it is a resident that's upset we want to make sure that that we you know and you were one of the best at this um, are able just to kind of talk them talk them down kind of you know help them relax a little bit and and, you know, just through kind of being personable and chatting with them, they, you know, that's, that's some of those things that lead to that resident, you know, being comfortable saying, Hey, I had something else break. Can, can Lincoln come up or can, you know, so-and-so maintenance tech come up once they have that personal relationship with them, um, they kind of feel tied to the property. And when the resident feels tied to the property, that's great because that, that has them signing renewals. So absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, that's, that's such an important part. Just, Again, the familiarization with your property, of course, it makes owners earlier when you were talking about um, how, as you mentioned, we had a previous property where we started kind of encouraging that. And it wasn't really to be lazy on the maintenance side or anything. It really was about customer service. And, and I'm sure the owners would be happy about it, too. But if we have office staff inside there, you know, two or three people there in the evening and they have that kind of time, that kind of response that shows that they can hop in there. Whereas my guys, I, I think, I mean, Corey can definitely agree to this, I'm sure. But usually if someone's living on site, it's from the leasing side and more rarely on the maintenance side. So if someone has to get in the car and drive back out to that property and do the whole steps, like you said, versus the other, you're ta- easily, like you said, talking about a 15, 20, 30 minute difference on getting them inside their room. And every minute they're in that hallway waiting for that person who, and, and, and sorry, I'll, I'll break there to say, make sure to give realistic expectation of what time they're going to be there too. People always like to say like, I'm on my way or something. And maybe it's the military in me again, but <laughs> when I say something, I'll say, I'm looking at this building right now. Like we have a road here called New Circle. I'll say, I'm looking at this building or this intersection because you really don't gain anything from that. You, you gain more with the truth. So I only say that because I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, they said a maintenance guy, you know, would be right up or he should be up there in five to 10 minutes without really having a good gauge for that. So even if you have to just say they'll be up there, I'll give you an updated time of when it'll be sooner or something like that. I really think that's that's far more important to actually give them that. Because, again, every minute that resident is sitting with their back against the wall of that hallway and no one's there to let them in that door, they're getting furious. And furious. they might be on that phone writing a review when you turn the corner. So make sure your guys show up with a smile on their face and have that part going. But I think it's important to give a realistic uh, time frame for things like that. Yeah. And all, and all that's tied back to the relationship between the office staff and the maintenance team, because, you know, if the office staff can take care of it, great. If not, when the, when the office staff calls the maintenance team, if they're, if they're not on a good relationship terms, they're just going to say, Hey, 228 is locked out. Or if, you know, if they, if they really are in a good, on a good spot with them, they can give them more details. You know, 228 is locked out. She said, this is the second time in two days, you know, um, we, we may want to, you know, chat to her about, you know, ways that they can, you know, maybe prolong the battery life if she's, you know, hitting the lock four or five times when she's unlocking her, things like that. But any any information that, that the office staff can provide above and beyond is beneficial to the property entirely. But that, again, that all depends on the relationship between the maintenance team and the staff and them not being afraid to to talk to each other and help each other out. 
Yeah, definitely. And so I guess we're going to hop into next, just kind of, uh, we're going around about how it can be beneficial, how it can be horrible, uh, telling these stories and whatnot. But let, I want to kind of get into how we can make this process better. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go on this. For example, one of them with, with Corey that I worked with him on, I was going to bring up first is having meetings together. It doesn't necessarily have to be every week, not even every two weeks, but, um, you know, probably nice about every two weeks or so, but to really get all of them together and to look at each other and to see each other, know each other's name, um, definitely have each other's number. I think, you know, as much as they want each other to have each other's numbers, it can be extra beneficial uh, unless you have a great radio system going on at your site or something, but just to have all of them at least be able to know that's, you know, this is, you know, this is Rachel, this is Dan, this is Margaret, you know, I mean, even more so, even if, and I think as the maintenance manager, you should know this is Dan, he's going to go, he wants to get into PR, you know, this is Margaret, she wants to be an accountant. You know, I think at least from the manager level to really kind of get to know that. And on the flip side too, the property manager should know if a maintenance guy's, if he's only doing maintenance until he finishes up his, you know, civil engineer degree, then he's off to other things or he wants to move up within the company. You know, I really think that part too is really important to know your own people. And I think everywhere I worked, not just because maybe I have a pretty big mouth, but I feel like I had my own relationship with each individual um, from the office side, you know, from obviously my staff and then from the office side. And even to the point where I still talk to quite a few people that I worked with in the past that were on the office side. So I really think encouraging that. And of course, again, that starts with letting everyone see each other, but then on the level of the property manager and the facilities manager, definitely if you, I, I understand some people are really busy, they come in. Sometimes the facility guy comes in first, the uh, property person comes in later because they might stay till six, you might leave at five, whatever all that is. Find a time that you can at least talk. Obviously, you should be talking on the phone daily um, and seeing each other probably even daily, but having an actual dedicated time at least once a week to sit down, maybe even a Monday and a Friday combo to just say, what's on your mind? What's going on? When we talked earlier about kind of sharing the same responsibility and accountability for a site, and kind of trying to even impress your beliefs and your outlook on it to somebody else, it, it can be done through this time. So you set aside time. It doesn't have to be lunch. It'd be great if it was lunch. But you know what happens when you take the property manager and the facilities manager offsite at one time. Sometimes the, the worlds collide. Um, but definitely to set aside time, it really is just about like any relationship. You have to have designated time. So I don't know if I'm trying to say this is a translation to a, to a week date or whatnot, but just have that time set up, sit down, let each other talk. Maybe don't have a hardcore agenda on it. Leave some time for just some, even let yourselves complain to each other about, you know, not maybe about each other. That's not that productive, but just about things. Let yourself just complain about things to each other. And I think having that aspect and again, seeing you all get along is huge for them, but definitely the once, the once a week or so, or once every two weeks of getting everyone together. Do you have any other thoughts on how to definitely build that relationship there, Cole? Absolutely. So as far as the, the, the staff getting together, one of the things that we like to do is anytime we were having a resident event and it, you know, typically those are once a week, uh, midterms that may be longer, but anytime we had a resident event, we would invite our maintenance staff to that event. And one of the things that we would always do is if, you know, we were having lunch or we were having something, we would make sure that the maintenance staff knew that we were having lunch that day and they could come join. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're buying that food anyway for your event. So it's not like it's an extra hit to your budget. But you're also bringing them up to see the residents and see your staff that's working the event, you know, and, and if you're having a, a taco bar, or you're, you're grilling out or whatnot. We always encourage our maintenance staff to be a part of that. And, you know, it was a, it was a, a quote unquote free lunch that we could provide to them. And as far as, you know, meeting with your maintenance manager, one of my rules always was, and this, you, some may see this as overkill is, but I always wanted to end 
the day with a meeting between me and my maintenance manager, A, just to go over the events of the day. You know, what'd you see on these work orders? How was, how are the hallways looking in building one? But then also to kind of get a, just a quick, a quick plan for the next morning. Hey, you know, since we're done, these, these work orders have come in or, Hey, I've got a, you know, a, a shipment coming in of parts that you had ordered. But just to just so we're always on the same plan, I don't expect him to come up in the morning because we're we're diving into work orders and we're doing grounds and things like that. And I don't want to pull him away from that. But as he's finishing up his day, we'd always have a you know a 10, 15 minute meeting just to where we could get on the same page from that day and for the next day. And then the one on Friday, I would tend to, you know, we'd talk a little bit, but I'd try and extend it a little bit of time just to build that personal relationship. Hey, how was your week? Are we doing anything exciting for the weekend? Things like that. But just set us, you know, set aside some time to make sure that, you know, they were happy and, and or looking happy. And, you know, just so we were all, we were always on the same page day in, day out. But I, I don't see that as overkill because, you know, the maintenance, the facilities manager is a critical part of the property. So as a, you know, a, a property manager, you're always wanting to trust but verify. So um, I trust that he was getting you know all of these done. But the verify side of it was talking, you know, talking with him, checking up, and just making sure that what we you know what our goals were at the beginning of the week were were accomplished by the end of the week. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that we always shot for uh, in that case too. And again, it, it can be seen as a luxury to be able to have that kind of time or something set up. But if you're not meeting at all right now, I suggest at least starting that, and maybe that can be a great end goal to get to that point because you're never really going to hurt from too much communication. Uh, it can it can really only stand to benefit you and your property uh, as that process goes on. So uh, we kind of went over some of the issues you know, that can happen, and we try to, of course, offer up some some wisdom, uh, whatever wisdom we could muster just as far as how to get that on a better page. But definitely, I think one thing I would say, we mentioned earlier, kind of at the beginning of the day gets busy. You kind of offset hours a little bit. I feel like you can last maybe three or four months without really having to get, or not without being able to have a, a really, really genuine, great relationship. And I'm sure you can maybe get by. But what, next point I want to bring up, which of course is one of my babies, is a point where you can't hide it. You can't hide if you don't have a good relationship. And that is absolutely turn. So this is kind of the Super Bowl of the relationship of that area. So throughout the year, you have things, you know, it all kicks off kind of with move-in day, which is still, eh, it's hard to decide if that counts as the year or the tail end of turn. But this is a time where if you have any issues or you're, you have to hold it in, you're a little upset, you don't really bring it out, turn will bring that out. So uh, if you don't have a good situation, a good relationship, it will be exposed at turn and your guys will see it at turn and everyone kind of sees the worst version or a magnified version of that person at turn time. So uh, I will definitely say that if you're going to start, you know, this is a good time right now. As we talk right now, kind of, you know, beginning first quarter of the year, get in there. If you don't have a great one, you know what? Say, let's have a great one. Go in there with an open mind. Start trying to work on that relationship. You don't have to be upset. And obviously this leads to so much more we didn't even really touch on, but turnover. And even if you don't have crazy turnover, you're going to have bitter people. So these are all things you're trying to avoid because it all shows through to your customers. You don't want to have to keep retraining. You don't want to keep having that guy that has a snarl on his face the entire time um, or kind of gives like a, you know, rolls his eyes at at the staff or something. But turn is so essential. Like, Like we said, all this stuff that we're talking about, all of it will be, you know, just absolutely tested to the max during turn time. If you don't have that good communication of expectation, I'll tell another quick story. Uh, actually kind of with this with the same ind- individual before, but our expectations of rooms being done, usually I feel like, you know, property managers feel like the maintenance ones are not high enough. But in this case, it was kind of backwards. Uh, I kind of wanted a higher expectation of some of these rooms and we'd go around and have issues with vendors and they'd say, 
oh, well, they said that this was good. They, this is all, they didn't have any problem with it. You know, why do you have a problem with it? And, and so that's the kind of stuff that goes through. Cause not only with vendors, it's going to be your own staff, you know, what's a good trash out? How much is too much trash to leave for your cleaners? You know, all those types of things or how, how should a room look or should it be mopped out of the front door or footprint or any of that standard stuff you have again, it should really ramp up. It should like almost crescendo to your turn time to make sure that relationship is, is on point and that you guys are on the exact same page moving into there. Um, but yeah, Corey, I did, just, just talking on the point of, of turn and kind of how it's important to be on the same page and, and really we kind of lean on each other in that, but do you have anything to speak to in that? In that? Absolutely. And I think the, I think the main thing in, in, in you and I, I think we're kind of thrown into a unique situation when we were on campus and that it was this, the, the company we worked for his first year on campus and, um, we had never planned a turn. And then about three months um, prior to the turn, we were hit with, oh, by the way, we have a million dollar uh, conference schedule that's moving in, in and out intermittently for the next three months. So um, I, I think, you know, what you and I did, and it, it doesn't have to be a situation that big or that crazy, but just on your general turn, the first thing you've got to do is every 99% of your turn meetings whether you're a GM or a property or a maintenance manager is you got to do them together. You guys got to be on the same page from the very beginning. And, you know, that kind of harpens back to what I was talking about with don't just show your, your facilities manager, what you're doing, show them why you're doing it. And, you know, this is why we're starting in these rooms. This is why, you know, this is why we're doing this or doing that. And and it's, it's because I want them to see the strategy of it. Um, And also you can show them how you're going to bat for the, for, for them. You can show them that, you know, our last walkthrough, we found a bunch of stuff that was broken. We want to try and get that stuff fixed. So when turn comes, you're not spending your, you know, your time on something you could have fixed. Or, hey, I just want to let you know that our office staff is avoiding the dreaded transfer on a transfer on a transfer as much as possible because I know how that really strains you. But to for, to involve that that facilities team in there as much as you can with the planning of your turn makes them again feel like they're responsible for the property and they're not just here you know nine to five to well in turn nine to nine i guess um just to get the job done but um you know and another thing that we would always do is when we would start our walkthroughs the very beginning of turn we want everybody on the same page so when we do our walkthroughs is we would always match an office staff with a maintenance technician and we would walk, you know, because that very first day, you know, you get your early move outs, whatnot. There's not much you can do until the, the rooms are vacant. We wanted them to be together, A, to build that relationship and B, so you have an, a pair of eyes from the maintenance team and a pair of eyes from the office on all the items in the in the rooms. So, you know, a maintenance person may see something that's broken that a, that a, an office person didn't, didn't realize, you know, so that's always helpful. But again, it's building those relationships because turn you're down in the trenches and it's, you know, it's, it's deflating for a maintenance team to be out there and look over and see an office staff, you know, playing solitaire on their computer while the maintenance staff knows they're putting in a nine, 10 hour day today. So we always made the, you know, put those expectations that we're going to do this. It's, we're going to, it's going to take as long as it takes, but we're going to do it together. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, again, this is another time magnified. I mean, on steroids to set a good example for your guys, uh, keep digging in, you know, be gracious, uh, be again, everyone needs a little extra patience. Cause again, it, it, it it's just, it, it's almost like a, a supernatural thing to be able to go through turn, and, uh, you know, I tell people this, but when you ask people on the outside, Hey, no big deal. You know, we have, you know, a thousand beds that we're going to clean out maintenance, paint, trash, uh, carpet clean. We have to schedule all that out and get it ready, you know, 
for residents in 14 days. It sounds insane. And most of us do it around nine or 10 and have the extra time that we need to, to make sure that sparkles there. But um, it, it really sounds impossible. So we work in the realm of impossibility, I feel like anyways. And uh, so definitely you're going to be stretched out. You know, if, you be, if you're the first one to crack, your guys will follow. I can guarantee you that. If you're the first one to start running your mouth and complaining about the office, they're, they're going to follow. They're going to they're going to carry that. And they're going to feel justified in it because you didn't because they're tired. But you know, we're still judged off decisions we make when we're tired. Unfortunately, in life, it doesn't matter. The law doesn't care if you're tired or not, if you're worn out or not, or if it's impossible or not. You know, you're still held to your actions. So you really have to make sure that you're, uh, you know, keeping that up. And again, this is all part of keeping this relationship, which which is what we wanted to talk on today. So uh, I first want to just definitely thank Corey for hopping on here with me. Uh, he's, he's, he's a busy guy. He does a lot, but, but I obviously have Corey on here because he's one of my favorite people I ever got to work with. Um, so much so I followed him obviously to a, to another property at a point, but it's been great. And, uh, you just don't want to look back at, at your career and think about all the, the negative, uh, work relationships or whatnot that you have and, and know maybe you could have done something about it or, or, you know, maybe been a little less prideful or something and, and worked on them. Sometimes tough situations are tough situations, but, uh, definitely, uh, just want to definitely thank him for, for carving out some time and making the Planets Alliance our schedules would work out so we can hop on here. So definitely appreciate you coming by, Corey. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. And and uh, if you ever do one where we just tell stories the whole time, I'm all the way in. <laughs> so I'm sure we could fill plenty of that. We could, have, we could have our own weekly series on that one. But yeah, I just want to thank everyone for uh, listening on this and definitely hope that it, it showed you something or at least you could relate with something in this and hope you guys have a, a great rest of the day. Thank you for having us. Well, there you have it. Lincoln, again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, but also bringing in Corey, but, you know, not not just because you guys have got, you know, that prior work relationship, but Corey just gets it, you know? Definitely. Corey, Corey is a rock star. He really is in his own right, for sure. And he's gotten to shine on a lot of different stages. So I was really happy to get him to get out here and get his input on it because he's someone that definitely, as you said, gets it. He really understands it and great to work with. So I really appreciate Corey coming on. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, I, we all talked about this a little bit uh, before, but I think the, you know, the main thing that comes out of, out of this is, you know, it's all about, it's, it's not about, you know, we talked earlier about a lot of the differences, you know, between uh, the male and female dynamic that, that, you know, plagues these two different teams or is the, the, a lot of times the additional pressure, you know, on these two teams uh, of the property staff, but, you know, regardless of, of, you know, gender or age or anything else, this is really about leadership. You know, these two positions are, are so, if you guys are not on the same page, if you guys are not wanting to do these things that, that Lincoln and, and Jackie have, have pointed that we've all pointed out, you know, during this conversation, there's a leadership issue there. And it, it, like if and I and I get it. I mean, there there were days where I would wake up out of bed completely dreading having to do a task that was part of, you know, not just, just because I, I, I didn't want to have a, a specific discussion with somebody about it. And, you know, the, there became a, a gut check of, okay, am I really ready to lead this team? And, and do I have the other people in place that can lead their components of, of the team? Not just their components, but, you know, that can co-lead with me, you know, as a, as a general manager. And I think at the end of the day, that's just it. And, you know, if you've listened to this and you're like, 
you know, there's parts of that that I completely get, but God, I could never see myself giving up, you know, an office staff member to, you know, go help the maintenance guys or shadow the maintenance team on something. If, if there's that issue, either because of, of time or because, because you, you feel like there's going to be some kind of bad influence, you've got a leadership issue either with yourself or with the person that is in that other position. And, and you got to figure that one out really quick because <laughs> it's it's not going to end well if you don't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I also think making sure your maintenance supervisor is in a position that they're, you know, not just willing, but excited about the opportunity of taking a leasing consultant out onto the property with them, excited about the opportunity to show your AM how they're, you know, how to change a filter or where the water shutoff valve is. And, you know, that, that as you say, co-leader um, who's willing to share their expertise with the management team as well. And as we're talking about um, setting an example in this case, I think it's definitely fair to think that if a property manager has some time that she could go do a grounds walk or, or other types of walks in there again so that they can see that going on it's very beneficial again to, to all parts. If they can see that, you know, Oh, wow. She's even going to go walk with him and see this stuff. The more you can learn in that field, as Jackie spoke on earlier, it's just, it's just the better. So if you start off with that and then as you have some slow time, we're not saying stop in the middle of a, uh, of leasing season, but if, if you have some downtime, which does exist and, 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 and your models looking pretty good and your office is looking pretty good, send one of them with it. Cause it, it really is only beneficial and it helps a lot in that case. Yeah. Throughout this episode, we, we've talked a lot about both tactical things that you can do as, as well as, you know, kind of general mindset things that you need to have. And hopefully everybody took great notes. Uh, on top of that, we're also, we've also put together a PDF of uh, things that, you know, both you and, and your and your other leadership cohorts, I guess is the best way to put it. So regardless, regardless if you're a maintenance supervisor or if you're a you know general manager or if you're in some other type of leadership role with, with site staff, we put all these bullet points down so that you've got something practical that you can keep in your desk drawer that you can you know keep posted you know, in your maintenance shop or whatever to, to remind you of these things. So if you, if you want that, just send an email to contact at studenthousinginsight.com. Again, that's contact at studenthousinginsight.com. And in the title, just put, send me the Harmony checklist and we'll send that over to you. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time putting this podcast together. I think there's a lot that people could take away from it. Are you guys, either of you guys going to, we've got Interface coming up or either of you guys going to that? We are a maybe for Interface. We're going to try to get out there. We're trying to make sure the schedules work because we have some of our development stuff going on. But Yeah, yeah. And if... Obviously, we don't have time for it today, <laughs> Lincoln, but we, we've got to do something pretty soon to, to really dive into easy turn and what you guys are doing to help folks make turn so much better. Uh, and and if, if you're interested in doing that now, go to easyturn.net and you can find more about Lincoln's company and, and what they're doing there. But it's an it's a awesome app that if you haven't seen it, I can't wait for you to see it. And Jackie, are you doing any other conferences here in the in the next little bit? I am hoping to attend. Uh, BizNow does an annual Chicago Student Housing Summit, and I'm hoping to be uh, presenting at that in a couple of weeks here. But 
I will not be at Interface, but you know, I'll be carefully monitoring to make sure they've got a good, high quality supply of female presenters this year. You know, that's one of my hot buttons <laughs> every year. Well, so, I will tell you. I'll tell you, we are just so everybody knows. I will be at Interface. I'm also going to be um, at the the first ever annual Canadian Student Housing Conference in Toronto next week. Probably about the same time. Uh, probably shortly after. Well, it's next week. This podcast will come out this week, and that's next week in, in Toronto. Being inter- at Interface the next week, and last year we did the uh, we recorded the site level to C suite episode. And that was great. It's been our highs downloaded. We're doing one this year on, it's called Beyond Borders. And it's focusing in on uh, really four key U.S. operators that are either have or are in the process of expanding their operations uh, beyond the U.S. and are going, going international with what they're doing. And, you know, two of the four of those companies are female so it's, you know, you and I had that discussion before. It's, um, you know, I, I read an interesting article that Drew Armstrong from, uh, she's the CEO of Grace Hill. She recently posted on LinkedIn, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but it was from the former CEO of PepsiCo, um, who's an Indian woman. And she really started talking about the, she said, you know, one of the biggest issues with, and you know, you're talking more fortune 500 type of companies, but it was really talking about, you know, the, there's a leaky pipeline. When you look at where, where people are, regardless of what gender, where people are in their career path, you know, by the time they get to certainly to kind of a third tier management level, that's right at the same time when women are thinking about having kids and, and, you know, what that's going to look like. And, you know, it certainly, she wasn't suggesting <laughs> that women stop having kids and put all that away, but to, for companies to really kind of think about that, that's kind of the, you know, that's the, that's the process that we all go through as, as human beings. And the comment that I know that um, you've received in the past, Jackie, was it, well, there's just not a lot of men or a lot of women that are in, you know, that, yes. uh, that are in those positions. And to a point, I agree with that to a point. I think it's many more now than what there's ever been in the past, specifically in the student housing industry. Definitely. But man, we've got some amazing women that are in, you know, executive level positions, you know, we've had, you know, just on this show, Susan Falkmer with Price Company, you know, Price, Donna Price, you know, leading up that company. It's just, you know, amazing there. I've had a lot of discussions recently with Beth Pender at CA Ventures and Jennifer Beast at, at ACC. I mean, it's just, there are some truly amazing women that, that are in this industry and, I'm hearing from them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that what, what, what I've been somewhat disappointed from are folks that are more in that a lot of both women and men that are in at that site level and regional manager level that aren't getting heard, you know, and, and that's, you know, and, that, and that's part of what we're trying to do with student housing insight and the summits is because those ideas 
that and the things that those folks want to talk about, I think, can evolve this industry much more than you know what I see happening at some of these other national conferences. Yeah, um, so. you know that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what what y'all are doing and. Um, so I will not be at Interface, but I, I will be watching. And I think if, you know, we could do a whole a whole podcast, I think, on women to watch. But I personally am really looking forward to the dynamic of Taylor Gunn and MJ Ziering, both of whom recently have gone to CA Ventures. Yeah. And I think just really highly of both of those. I've worked with um, MJ on a couple of transactions. And uh, Taylor, I know just from a couple of industry things, most notably, uh, we talked a bit at the Charlotte Summit last year. And, so I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I give CA Ventures real credit. They've got a lot of uh, leadership at the top. And of course, I'd be remiss to not point out that so does Peak Campus um, have, <laughs> have an incredible amount of, of female leadership um, as well. But but I do agree, you know, it's it's that mid-level female voice that is not often heard. And so I, as you know, uh, I'm super passionate about the work you're doing and appreciate the many opportunities you've given me to, to speak on behalf of, of my fellow women out here in the field every day. Well, it's not really just because you're a woman. <laughs> it's, it's because you, you, you bring such of a, you know, just a, a unique insight and thoughtful insight into things. And, and I enjoy the conversation, uh, you know, gender aside, I, I don't get me wrong. I do bring you in for, for a, a gender perspective because it's it's important, but more than anything, you're just a you know a super thoughtful person, and Peak is very lucky to have you. So, well, thank you. and um, when you do your Easy Turn uh, podcast, let me know because View Fifty Three is all in with uh, Lincoln and Chase this year. Um, so we're gearing up to do our first Easy Turn turnover, and I can't wait to let you know how great it goes. Awesome. Well, guys, we're excited to have you. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thanks again. All right, you guys, thanks so much. Good to talk to you both again. Take care. See you all. Hey, guys, don't forget call Leap Insurance today. Today, contact them at leapeasy.com.